Ladies and gentlemen, the 24th episode of All About Reality with your hosts, Matthew Goodwin and Luke Patrick, coming to you to talk one of my favorite weeks of the year, the final week that you can offer extensions uh, on players in the Reality Sports Online platform. Goody, how are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm I'm happy to jump in. I know I've got we've got some questions on Twitter. I hope you you and yours had good Thanksgiving. It was pretty good and quiet up here in the Pacific Northwest and um re ready to jump in. I, I mean lot, lots to talk about. I think to start, just want to shout out to a few 12 and 0 teams that had reached out to me on Twitter when I asked questions. So, um I, I mean for, first and foremost, we have the, the founder who, you know, who else is going to go 12 and 0, right? I, it was his first time, Matt Papson at, at Reality Sports MP, who's destroying our writer's league right now. I know you're the two seed, I'm the three seed, and we're kind of jockeying, you know, for playoff position. We'll be on the bottom part of that bracket, hoping to meet him in the championship. He's in a 10 team super flex in the RSO writer's league. He's 12 and 0. Kudos. He, he's just absolutely stacked. He's got Antonio Brown, he's got DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, quarterbacks like Mahomes, so kudos to him. Obviously, our reality check team um, kind of limping a little bit to the finish line, but 12-0 and 0 in the 16-team Superflex Podcast League and, you know, fa heavily favored to get to 13-0, and 0, even though we just lost Andy Dalton for the season, which is a little bit of a blow, and we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. And then a couple others who reached out to me on Twitter. We got Ronald Ramon Ramirez. Um, Twitter handle at the Ronimal underscore six zero nine five. His team name is Captain Ron and the Neverwind Pirates. Um, he's in a ten-team league called Wisco Cal, which ha features three IDP players, and and he's he hails from San Andreas, California, as in San Andreas Fault. Also, uh, you know, Natalie Merchant song, which kind of you know pokes some fun at me, I guess, too, for knowing that. Uh, also, we got an expat, which is pretty impressive, coming all the way from Hanover, Germ Germany. Dan Bosak, um, his Twitter handle is at BosakDan. Um, his team name is the Dread Pirate Roethlisbergers. He's in the Knights of Gridiron League, a 12-team, 30-man roster, super flex. So um, have a little bit of a pirate theme, I guess, and un undefeated, you know, like between the Dread Pirates and the Never Win Pirates. So Maybe next year you just need to throw like pirate in your name or something. So, um, so so kudos to those guys. I look forward to seeing if they can kind of complete the holy trinity. Go twelve, you know, go undefeated through this week and then the the playoffs. Um, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. I think that writers league is getting kind of competitive. So I, I think any you know in a one game scenario, we'll see what happens. I like my chances potentially if things align. Same with yours. A couple others. So. Um, but let's, let's get into extensions. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Like congrats to all those 12 and 0 folks. I, I, again, I can't echo it enough, right? Like there's a degree of chance in what we do here, but it does require putting in the work, putting in the time and the analysis at, to set yourself up for good fortune to come your way. And, and look, I give a lot of that credit on our, our writers league, pardon me, on our podcast listers league team to you on that front. And in the writers' league, I think I think you were far over hyping Paps, and I, I I would have come for him like no problem. I'm only a few points behind him, and had had extraordinarily bad luck. I've had I'm like 20 points behind him, and have significantly more losses. I don't know how that played, but I'm also down Melvin Gordon across every major team on all platforms at this point. Like it's devastating. It's just carnage for me. Like the fact that he was still in there playing in that game on a busted up knee. Those 
heartbreaking to me. And uh, I guess Charger's going to Charger, man. They're just going to – they've dashed my dreams so many times in particular that I, I don't know why I keep going back to that particular well. But, uh, yeah, let's talk Let's talk extensions because we for many people who don't share that 12-0 advantage, this time of year is when you start – you turn your eye. Well, well, those of us that are fighting and jockeying for playoff position – this is where you can get some serious leverage on teams like that by turning an eye to next season. And even those playoff contenders have to make final decisions about whether or not they want to use their extension now or save, uh, or rather just use it now or else that, that particular tool goes away. So um, let's talk some of the guys, some of the data that our CFO has given us from across RSO, the RSO platform. Yeah. Um, Kyle, our CTO, we don't have a chief financial officer yet, but I, you know, if we, we get big enough, that'd be a good problem to have. I'm sure Matt and Steven echo that I have a financial background, so that'd be fun if I could get into, into the, that mix. But, um, I kind of like to keep the football and the finances aside most of the time. <laughs> um, in, in, ter- in terms of extensions, I, I think the, the first thing I want to talk about, I guess, is, like kind of the doing your diligence. I, I mean, when you, you know, you we've had these extension offers from week five to week 13, the volatility changes week over week. You know, I think some of these things are a little more quote unquote normalized now. And, 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 and in week 13, I, I don't think we're really talking about got, you know, the big names like, you know, sure. And Antonio Brown or Michael Thomas is coming up and, and someone's thinking about, you know, shelling out 30 plus million to those guys. So I, I understand those, those big decisions for years, et cetera. And I'm happy to answer whatever questions anyone has, you know, with those like over Twitter or whatever. And, and we'll get to some questions too. But I, I think like, I think right now we're, we're kind of in a pocket and we'll we'll talk specific names but i kind of think like high level we're, we're kind of talking about players like who who you could go either way on so you're you're talking like the marlon max of the world the george kittles of the world gus edwards you know if it, you know just kind of caught lightning in a bottle for two straight 100 yard games with Lamar Jackson as kind of the running quarterback so i i think we're talking about these guys at all at varying levels of dollars that could make sense as well as kind of like what seems to be the the minimum extension offer that's getting thrown for guys you may take a flyer on as bench depth hoping they materialize to be more so i.e like the malcolm browns of the world for two years and four million dollars or like the maurice harris types as well so i i i think it kind of presents interesting cases you know across the board and you know Without further ado, I mean, you and I had one in the in the podcast league. I think um, in Marlon Mack, I, I think Marlon Mack's offer in that league, and we and, and we literally just made our decision on what to do today on that. And I think it would be helpful to walk our, our listeners through that. What do you think? Absolutely, Marlon Mack's a good a good example of a back that is probably up for extension in many leagues and. This will give some insight into how you and I looked at the process with some nuances that are different, but for the most part, you and I saw eye to eye on this one. So by all means. So Marlon Mack, to give some context, is a back that you and I both regard as having like significant enough talent to be a lead back in the league. Um, that's a good thing. And I don't know if either one of us regard him. I, I don't know where you situate him. I, I certainly have characterized him as a top 24 back in my own analysis and as I've prepared for week to week insertion um 
the the pleasant surprise in the, in the wonderful analytics coming out of the Indianapolis Colts offensive line is the, the second feature I look at when I look at a running back beyond their own talent. That has been going in his favor. Um, just he's had the splash plays. He's put the stuff on film. He's beloved now by both the analytics community coming out. They, like his measurables were good. Now he's putting stuff on film that the film guys love. So like the player himself is someone that, that you and I like, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think he's put he's put together a few a few games in a row. I mean, he has had a, a decent length length history of injuries both this year. I think even in, dating back to college, but this year and and last, and finally kind of hit his stride behind that offensive line, which you know it has been graded out like incredibly well, better than anything ex- anyone expected, and kind of the Quentin Nelson pick is you know paid huge dividends. Uh, on that end, I, I think that and Andrew Luck's health has, has been paramount also. I mean, I, I think where we get to with Mac, in our case, his offer, because he was given a decent-sized contract by someone who traded a, to to us, Bobby, who was on our podcast last time, as kind of a throw-in. Like, we're paying, like, it's like a one-year $12.5 million deal. So that kind of forms the base for his extension offers, which, you know, at the high point a couple weeks ago, I think was four years, $118 million, which, you know, too steep for my blood. And then, you know, over time that's gone down a little bit as he's normalized a little bit and had more more games, more sample, and had 15 for 85 last week before he went down with a concussion. And his, his, number, his number dropped to four years, $84.5 million. So, you know, about $21 million average, which – which does seem high for somebody who has a, a small sample. And then that, that, that's where the league context, though, comes into play. So six, we're in a 16-team super flex that in, that's in its first year. Second year auction, the names that you're seeing is available. I mean, added to which there's two rounds of draft picks, so 32 players gone. So that talent pool towards the end gets pretty bad for us, seeing as we're 12-0. and 0. So you take that context, you take the $21 million, we're, we're practically capped out this year and next. Anticipate maybe the NFL cap goes up $10 million next year, but this would put us over the cap. But, you know, but the question is, does, that, does Marlon Mack have more value to somebody else than he does to us? Can we move him for assets, basically? And, or are we taking a huge risk? So let's, let's walk through like, some of the things, like some of the analysis we did to come to our conclusion. Sure. So when you and I, we, we went about it pretty analytically. So you bo- we both wanted to examine what kind of money would be available in the player pool versus the kind of free agents that would be available to us to spend on. Obviously, we didn't perceive ourselves as big spenders as we approached the, the free agent pool. So part of that analysis was just looking at, could we go get Marlon Mack back if we didn't extend him and, and retain his services on our own team? You did some. You did a little bit of a dive into that came up with the fact that a half dozen teams in our league are probably better contenders for his services if we throw them back in the pool. Is that a fair estimation? Yes, definitely. So that was one thing. We, we had to come to terms with the fact that the reality is if we toss him back in the pool, that is a fish that's going to be bigger than our net as, as by our estimation for next season. So with that in mind, that drove us to like the next level of analysis as to whether or not we want to put ourselves over the cap Um and retain them in the offseason. So can you talk to talk talk for a second about what that would look like and and what the perceived risk of doing that is in your eyes, Matt? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that what that would look like for us, like figuring his his value on an eighty-four and a half million dollar deal, you can back into how that breaks out by year. So just taking next year into account, twenty a four-year deal basically goes in percentages of the total offer. So twenty-two percent in year one of a four-year deal, twenty-four percent in year in year two. 26% in year three, 28% in year four. So we're, we're looking at, a, you know, about 17 million added to our already 173 million cap. So putting us about 190 against the cap that, you know, probably at best case for us goes to 187. At worst case stays at the current 177. So, you know, definitely puts us over the cap. Like we would probably, we'd have to make some moves to get under the cap to trade and fill out fill out our roster with you know minimum type guys. I mean, we have a pretty good roster as it is, but like you know that's kind of dicey. So like I think we'd be extending him with you know we would have extended him with like trading him in mind to somebody who values his services, you know, and getting kind of an exclusive at somebody who figures to be probably the best free agent in the pool if he's let back in the pool. I mean, we're looking – the pool otherwise is, are, you know, the names that I think are most appealing are like Chris Carson, Larry Fitzgerald if he comes back again for another season, um, Austin Eckler. So, like, it, it's it's kind of – you know, Julian Edelman, like, the, that's that's really what's there kind of a second in a second year of a really deep pool. So – that, that that's something that made you know even with stretching our cap made Marlon Mack a strong consideration. Absolutely, they and the strength of that consideration. We already talked about all those positive factors. The rarity of a back like him being available in our league is is hard to overstate. But here's where some of the other things came in. You and I are both reticent to add like value like that, especially that twenty eight percent on the back end of four years for a running back that. Well, we like his talent has never demonstrated like any kind of superlative talent. Like he might be able to maintain that job, but it was very easy when like his value can fluctuate so dramatically with the tweet of one Levy on Bell that like all of a sudden like owners get skittish about giving that kind of money to him, including owners like you and I, because if we're perceiving his the most significant value he has as potentially being flippable, we don't want to get stuck with a guy that we can't flip. Like that's like, that's a bad buy at that point. And so we were like, um, I don't know if we want to be sitting on like 20 some million for a, for a a mid tier running back in the NFL at the end of that deal. Right. And then, and I think that that what you bring up is an interesting point. I think Tyler Houston in our chat, you know, our um, podcast league chat brought that up about Le'Veon Bell and he, he's from Indy and thought, Hey, you know, I, it didn't really occur to me. They're sitting pretty well in cap space and Le'Veon Bell seemingly is interested in playing in Indy too with that line. And, you know, frankly, who wouldn't want to be, especially with Andrew Luck, you know, coming back the way he is. So, you know, w- once I kind of heard the Le'Veon Bell thing that hadn't really occurred to me, and then that made this like infinitely more risky and and basically flipped it flipped my decision point to yeah there's no there's no way we can we can extend Marlon Mack we we need to let him back in the pool I, I mean I think the other thing is 
you know, we did try to do our diligence to float this to the league. Like, hey, in, in the offseason, would anyone want be interested in, you know, acquiring this guy? We didn't get much, much response on that th- then and there because theory, some of these teams could just pay for him in the auction if they if they have enough money, if, if they want to get into a bidding war or whatnot. Um, but at, at the same at the at the same time, you know, those owners can flip flop on what um what they say in the off season. You know, I, I mean, I think you and I have like a trade that didn't go through at the deadline that you know ostensibly we could propose again in the summer to another owner, not involving Marlon Mack, but you know, ultimately, like you know, then there's other weeks of football that have been played since then. So you know, either we could get skittish on it, the other owner could, or we could actually do that deal. But you know, I think you can't rely on that that and expect somebody to hold to that you know in a dynamic marketplace for sure and the dynamism of the market is what and it's interesting that the the specter of a better back coming into indie certainly played into it we also have two backs that have been holding their own as far as a, a share of the backfield in wilkins who who was getting some positive run and positive feedback early in the draft process this year. And then Hines, who was widely regarded as, as an effective satellite back. Now, the good part about Marlon Mack is he seems to have consolidated the ability to do both those things and and is the superior talent to the other two. That's great. We want to lock up backs like that. But the, the, the risk point for me was also the kind of cool feature on Reality Sports Online. I don't know if you've ever gotten to this point with one of your teams, Matt. I have not. I like – I I – desperately just jettison salary as you know going into the auction just because i think it's more fun to go to the auction with with a lot of salary to spend but if you go into the auction with more with more salary than your cap can bear it's now you're negotiating from a position of weakness because that is like you literally the other owners in your league can see that and they can be like look if you want to buy yourself some space, like you're not in a position of strength coming to me with this deal. And I did not want to negotiate from that position with like really good assets like we have. I didn't want to be selling them for 75 cents on the dollar going into the auction when when basically they should be commanding a premium. So. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I, I think this this kind of also bears in mind and, and some you know, I'll get into some of the questions that people ask me. I, I've talked about this before, but you know, with with the cap being what it is in the NFL, and consequently in, in our RSO leagues, there's only so so many thirty plus million guys you can carry on an annual basis. I would say the max of that is three comfortably. Anything else like that's approaching that gets gets kind of scary. And I mean, we see it with our you know podcast league team. We got Breeze at twenty five. We got Diggs and Allen both at over thirty, and you know McCaffrey at. 30. I mean, I'd, I'd pay a trillion for him the way he's producing right now. So, you know, um, I, I, I won't complain about that. But then it gets, you know, it gets a little complicated down the line when you're, you know, luckily we've hit on some waiver wire guys and some other stuff. But it, it certainly gets complicated with managing when you have those big ticket names and and even just moving those for like similar pieces or parts or whatever in season just was is difficult so you know i i think that that your cap spread of how you know teams that can make trades have more guys that make in that five to ten million dollar range than maybe what our team currently has so yeah no i'm with you i think these guys in my mind just feel like the guys like Marlon Mack who are who are good talents 
but but not great ones. Not enough to make them impervious to someone coming in and threatening their job on a team, especially if a superlative talent like Le'Veon Bell is out there. I these guys just remind me of middle schoolers, right? Like we you have those speculative guys on your roster that are on the longer term deals or longish deals at very small infinitesimal prices. Like you could always move those guys. We we all like to move the chips and push chips around. Like those are like adorable elementary school children. They they're charming. They have personality. And then you have like the big name guys that you just alluded to that are the big bad kind of obnoxious like high schoolers that are like again charming in their own way. But middle schoolers are just obnoxious. You can't get rid of them when you want to get rid of them. You have to keep them because you're obligated to support them, but like you don't want to. Like these are like that's what that's what I'm worried about for these some of these extension guys that come up up into play in week 13. So now that we know our rationale. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk some about about some of those other guys too, besides the Marlon Mack of the world. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the analogy, especially coming from from a from a teacher. So <laughs> um, that, that makes sense, and and with middle schoolers of your own, I believe, right? No, 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 one? nobody there, nobody You're there. Close. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So just just for context, the app. You know, the average max salary, just so other people who are on the fence about this across the data that Kyle gave us, is four years, a total of forty point three million, so about ten point one million average, and that becomes a more interesting, more tolerable deal. I mean, I still wouldn't do it if if I really believe anything about this levy on Bell and and the cap space and that stuff. I think that. I think that thing gives me enough pause that I don't want to throw four years on a guy who has a three week, you know, especially at at the deadline and you know at the buzzer, basically, who has a you know a guy who has basically three or four good game sample. Just it's just not it's just not enough. But if you know if you're trying to justify in in your free agent system, maybe it would work some other way. But let's talk about some. Let's jump into some other players. Um, I, I think that why don't we, you want to stay in the running back category first? Absolutely. Speaking of small sample sizes, let's talk about this guy. Uh, you snatched him up in the Raiders League. A good move. I was contemplating myself. Uh, Gus, uh, in air quotes here, the bus, Edwards. I, I loathe to give that to anybody but Jerome Bettis. But the Gus Edwards in a small sample size uh, runs up over 100 yards last game. Uh, is it a crowded backfield with Montgomery rearing his head in, in a satellite role and Alex Collins uh, fending off a foot injury? Um, the 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 never seeming to go away Buck Allen also hanging around the the, the ghost of Buck Allen there so Gus Edwards two years eleven point eight million for nearly six million per year is that something you're comfortable with? Uh, I would push this as late as I could this week. I mean he's got an ankle injury. It's Wednesday, so I don't really put much stock into Wednesday practices because that seems like the the maintenance day for almost everyone not playing on Thursday night. So, but if this injury is serious, I mean, I, I think the one of the Ravens like beat writers is I saw in Roto World tonight that like Kenneth Dixon is a candidate for designated for return, and they you know he's been practicing for two weeks, and you know the, speaking of never going away, Kenneth Dixon mm-hmm. is you know <laughs> definitely in that boat. I, I think that you know the six million is is a little high for somebody who may have those injury concerns. Like, and unfortunately you don't get to see like whether he has another game, you know, like against a favorable matchup, like the Falcons with Lamar Jackson starting again. I mean, all signs point to this guy being legit. Um, I mean, six, six million is a, a little bit 
out of my comfort zone given given this right now because you can you know six million is like what you're paying like a rookie first round draft pick and most time those are guys who you know are, are no brainers at the running back position right so I I mean you know context wise I I threw I had a two year four million dollar total offer in the writers league for Gus Edwards I pulled the trigger yesterday before any of this injury stuff happened and with the thought like worst case worst case he's he's a worst case you know he's just a cut with not much money attached to it you know bet best case he's you know what he's been and at that price like you know especially with Lamar Jackson like being a running quarterback and they want the kind of the bruising guy inside to like run with that why why not i mean in my current situation you know I, i'm not relying on Gus Edwards to be at, be in my starting lineup right now i mean i have Christian McCaffrey and Cream Hunt through some fortuitous trade, and I have Aaron Jones as basically my flex. So, and I have those guys locked up for next year and beyond. So, like the Gus Edwards is really kind of about like a potential trade, a potential trade piece, like basically my most proven guy at a cheap deal. I mean, I thought about Josh Reynolds. I had a similar offer for him, two years, four million, and I, I do own Cooper Cup. But all those Rams receivers are under contract, including Josh Reynolds, for, you know, through next year and beyond. So I, I just felt like even though receivers more of a position in need, that seemed like Gus Edwards had more value. Sure. Like, and so he's the kind of the flavor of the week, but I think your analysis is right there. I love him for, uh, I mean, I don't love him, but I, I, th- I think he's very valuable for the stretch run here. And it's, and almost as a necessity, if you've invested like in that backfield, the, the Ravens have a really great schedule and I love pairing running backs with defenses that are holding up and they seem to be, so that's like an excellent thing, but he's also in the same um, salary tier as another back that has, I mean, obviously skyrocketing in value, Austin Eckler. Uh, everybody is anticipates what he can do when it's his show now that Melvin Gordon's going to sit a couple weeks with that knee. And so he's coming in at 13.7 million for at six, a little over six and a half per year. Um, Austin Eckler at two years at over six and a half per year. Is that someone you're more comfortable with than Gus Edwards? At that price, definitely, and yes, fine. He he doesn't have a huge sample. He he was productive last year. I think I think what I like about Eckler is just his standalone value as a third down back. If they ever you know decommit to giving Melvin Gordon this like supreme workhorse volume, especially when they're up, they're still up for you know forty two to ten. Um, I I think that you know Eckler does have this. I I don't think I I mean I think you're gonna see a a fair bit of Jackson, you know, was spelling Eckler and like that. I think his ceiling is 15 carries a week, probably these next few games, but that that's, you know, that's good tote, especially with how valuable Eckler is in the passing game. So I, I think he has like the Danny Woodhead standalone value. So I'd be, I'd be comfortable giving, giving that out. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you're right in the heart of the matter here. And I don't think there's any controversy of what you're saying there. So let's go, two backs that are polarizing for different reasons and we'll get some of your your western insight out there the first one being chris carson two and a half years so like he's he's probably has a lot of two or three year extensions depending on the context of your league uh at 20 million overall so he's pushing 8 million per season uh chris carson at that price uh 
What do you, what are your thoughts on him? Because here's where we might actually get some substantial analysis and disagreement between you and I. Yeah, I mean, I had Chris Carson at uh, like a better offer than that in the in the writers' league, and I did I did not take it. I I I love his talent. I love how he runs, but the problem I have with how he runs is that I don't really want to give him a, a multi year deal um, because I I feel like he's just you know he's gonna he doesn't necessarily have the nagging injuries. He has like the bruises and the, and everything from like trying to snow plow, you know, 11 defenders carry him on the back and do ninja moves while they're doing it. So I, for me, I don't, it, it's, it's almost more about the years than the dollars. And then the dollars are at a point where it's enough that I, you know, I worry about like, reliably starting a guy like Chris and I have him on my roster for reliably starting him in a playoff game. And then you're, you, then all of a sudden the first quarter happens, he runs for 40 yards and then he has a hip injury and he's out the rest of the game. Um, and, and then, you know, two weeks later he comes back and runs for a hundred yards again. So for me, I, I'm out on Chris Carson. Uh, I, I really like the talent, but there is a lot, you know, I, I also don't want to be, susceptible to like the whim the whimsical nature of Pete Carroll you know when it comes to running back so yeah Seattle wants to run I get that they're, they're capping Russell Wilson's you know throws which you know is what they said they do in the offseason and, and you know from a football perspective it's working you know from a fantasy perspective, it's you know it's kind of working too. Wilson's been really efficient, kind of like what he was the first couple of years when they had the really good defense. They're running the ball really well. Uh, but from a from a fantasy perspective, a little bit of a quagmire, and from a value perspective, I'm just having a hard time like marrying the years and everything else with the physical nature of how Chris Carson runs. Yeah, look, I think you made that more complicated than you need to. I have one name, Rashad Penny. That's still a first-round running back on a cheaper deal. And despite how fickle Pete Carroll can be, or perhaps because of how fickle he can be, at any given game he can pop or he can go for four yards on four carries like he did last game. We know the talent's there. I'm still confident in him. And frankly, uh, for all the, the running back, the concerns about, about Carson, I think from a reality sports online perspective, as you said, that contract is roughly in line with what you give to a first-round running back. And I would rather put my chips on a first-round running back and save that money for uh, for to slot in other players, even if it's picking them up, picking them up off the waiver wire during the year, um, to throw that money at him, as you said, than to try to tether that to a running back that has questionable pedigree and a shorter leash, as we know across teams when when they when they come in as undrafted free agents. So, Rashad Penny, but that's that's my two cents on that, or single cent, as the case may be, and so. Um, the other running back though, that's in the same mold. And then I'll let you uh, drive the car a little bit, but I think the other, on the other end of it is a guy named Philip Lindsay, right? He is as dynamic as he comes, but he's also an undrafted running back outplaying Royce Freeman in his own backfield. Um, talk to me about what his extension looks like. And then we'll, um, and then we'll debate that one out. So. 
Sure. And this, 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 um, Nick Andrews asked this question to us. He was choosing between Philip Lindsay, our own Nick Andrews at Nick Andrews underscore RSO was asking about, he's choosing between Philip Lindsay at four years, 57 million, Zach Ertz at four years, 119 and a half million. Um, and just basically kind of questioning whether extend either of these guys, neither of the guys, you know, what, what, to, what to do. I, the the average Lindsay extension is kind of in line with what Nick has four years fifty eight point six million or fourteen point six million, and for me Lindsay Lindsay's producing if I if I had to choose between those two with Nick and you want to keep some talent like I'd go Lindsay over Ertz because I you know I I love Ertz but I'm not giving any tight end including Kittle Kittle and Ertz are the ones who probably have the the you know the hefty extensions. Like I'm not giving any tight end 30 million. I'll play the franchise tag game with them, and uh, you know, and anytime, all day, every day, and also hope that someone like Gronk retires, bringing those future contracts, like you know, any future years of Gronk, off the books to constitute the average. You know, if someone gets amnesty and then Ertz's deal becomes way cheaper than that, so, um, so, so no one Ertz at 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 thirty million for Nick, and I think that Bernard had chimed in on Twitter and said the same thing. Lindsey, you know, he's he's worried about the eleven games of history to go on. I mean, Lindsey's been very good. I, I mean, obviously, Denver saw something on tape that I think that you know really the spark people and other people may have seen this off season that I really didn't pay much attention to. You know, I, I screwed that one up. I think, I think uh, as a lot of us did, um, I, you know, like I, I'm looking at another name that's at similar pricing to Lindsay, like in from extension standpoint, it's Aaron Jones, four years, 52.2 million for 13 million a year. And I'd much rather have Jones at, at, at that, at that clip. I mean, I don't think he has nearly the competition, you know, in theory, like I, I, I mean, even in spite of Mike McCarthy, who I think, you know, will last the season and that's it. I, I like his situation a lot better. Aaron Rodgers seems to be, you know, advocating for him to get all sorts of tote. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the problem that happens when you get the guys like Carson, who was a seventh round draft pick and Philip Lindsay, who was undrafted free agent is, so few of them turn into the next Arian Foster, you know, and, and most of them have some other guy who has the pedigree, you know, like in the, in their path. And, and I think both Lindsay and Royce Freeman have like done very well, like at, you know, at like yards after contact, but like, you know, I'm very impressed with what Lindsay's doing, but I, I can't see myself giving $14 million a year to him when that's like twice the price of a, a rookie running back. So, and it's also kind of in like that no man's land space where if he hits, yes, it's a value because you're paying him 14 million instead of 25, 30, 35 million. But at the same time, it's enough money that it's, it's a burden if you, you know, if, if he doesn't succeed. Yeah. And it does turn to, how diligent you've been as a GM in maintaining cap discipline in other areas. And if you've maintained that cap discipline, then you're going to have some of those dollars to play with where you're like, look, I'm going to lock down a running back like Aaron Jones or like uh, Philip Lindsay, because it gives me that potentially high upside running back too, which is the range that they sit comfortably inside. I think, I think both of them could potentially pop on any given week and, and render, us like admiring their talents and admiring their output and fantasy. But yeah, I, I'm not 
typically chasing running backs like that at this point because, like I said, I, I for for the sake of playing the game, I prefer having a lot of money to go to auction at. And again, it depends on the league life cycle that we've we've referred to plenty on other on other podcasts for us. But I, I can't disagree with you there. And I think I I think I too as much as it, it hurts me to say such a thing. I think I prefer the Packer running back there too. I just anticipate um, some kind of novelty coming into their offensive system next year. And it's hard to argue with one of the best quarterbacks at all time running the show, as opposed to Case Keenum, who I have tons of affection for, but he's not, he's been so inconsistent that I don't know that he can be relied upon to effectively put those guys in scoring positions. So uh, you did segue neatly though, a little bit to Zach Ertz there. Uh, I think what you said was deeply insightful and it's worth talking about that we have to remind people as they're making their extension decisions that in just a few weeks, they're going to have a new franchise tag to apply. And I think, especially with tight ends, we've you and I have seen over and over again that, that that tight end market is typically depressed because Gronk is typically the only one driving up the those salaries. So the other four are going to bring it back down to a much more reasonable, like as you said, I think I've played, just kept tagging Kelsey year after year because it, it just is a, a manageable way of extending him in, in the writer's league. Um, so I think you're right. I don't think you could offer a big-time extension even to Zach Ertz, uh, knowing that you could probably just tag him and retain his services. Yeah, I, I mean, I think kind of on on the tight end, like we might as well transition to tight ends because we're starting with Ertz. He's got a four-year, $82 million, $20.5 I, I think the franchise tag, I'd rather play the option game with him. I, I think it would be similar. I, I'd be willing to pay him maybe even a little more on that franchise tag to have the flexibility. Um, depending. So I like, I, you know, I, I think that buys you the optionality of like waiting out and seeing what happens with Gronk in the off season. Um, I, I think that other guys, Eric Ebron, four years, 73.6 million NFW. Um, I, I love what he's doing this year and he's great in the red zone, but that that's, that's way too risky. I mean, the guys, if I'm looking at extending tight end guys, I mean, the values seem to present themselves in like this, like tight end five to seven or eight range. So like a guy like Hunter Henry, who's obviously coming with risk and question marks, four years, 23 million, about 6 million a year. I mean, a guy I really like at that range actually is OJ Howard. Unfortunately, both his last two seasons have been cut short by injury, but he's been really productive. He's four years, 27.1 for about 6.8. And George Kittle is kind of in the middle of everything. He's four years, 57.7 million. 14.4 and I could see where people think that's a value so I could go either way on that while I personally don't I, I personally don't like paying that much for a tight end I, I think you know we did with Ertz and I think it you know he George Kittle's young enough and in a space where I think he's you know proven like advanced metrics you know are already and getting Jimmy G back should help so I I mean I think those are kind of some of the guys to go over at the tight end position. Yeah, the two that interest me the most, let's start at the bottom there with George Kittle. Uh, that $14 million per year is a bit prohibitive because, right, there are probably cheaper ways to secure his services. Depending on where you are in the life cycle of the league, I would imagine that other people have bigger holes to fill in their roster than tight end. And because people tend to perceive the, the, the tight end position as a wild card. Now, it comes down, this one I think actually comes down to how well you know your league mates as opposed to 
as opposed to any particular attribute of George Kittle, the player, right? In dynasty circles, Kittle's name is on fire. Like he's being moved up into that tier with Ertz, with Kelsey, in some cases above Gronk in, in, from the dynasty setting. So if you know your league mates tend to treat RSO and the other GMs tend to treat RSO as more of a dynasty setting, then absolutely that is a value for George Kittle and absolutely that's a commodity that you'll be able to move and perhaps flip for a top tier, like tether him to some draft picks and flip him for a top tier running back or a top tier wide receiver. Um, Hunter Henry... I like that, right? Five million, four, five and a half million over four years. At some point, this guy's talent is going to get a chance to just run free in that Charger offense. Um, and I, I mean, as long as you're willing to stomach the injury risk, and I think for five and a half million for a tight end, you you could potentially do so because you you can plug and play other guys, and you're not losing production at the position for a guy that has it we we're so soon to forget that he too had that top five upside at the at the position talent for sure and and people right now are a year removed from his injury almost and they're just like annoyed at this point right like they just get impatient it's human nature so yeah no definitely i did get a question on twitter about kittle and this from dan his his handle is at kapchinski um, he basically was torn between – he said he was just about to extend Kittle for four years and $46 million, but it jumped after his buy to $20 million a year, asking if that's too much. I'll say probably yes on that. He said, or he could extend Antonio Brown at $33.5 million per. He's nervous about his future. Or just play it safe and go with um, Lamar Jackson two years. I believe he said like $2 million or something – uh, two, yeah, two million, two years, four million, I think, total. And um, so the advice I think I gave him on that one was to go with with Lamar Jackson. He said quarterbacks can have some value in that in that league. He said that it's not a super flex league, but the league overpays for quarterbacks in the auction. Um, so he, he, you know, we kind of came to the conclusion that the safe play in his case was was Lamar Jackson. I mean, I, Antonio Brown at thirty three and a half is still decent but I, I worry about the four years and you know he's starting to become a little bit of malcontent in Pittsburgh I think the production's there I you know but I, I think you're kind of like what we talked about with maybe you know other receivers on our teams or whatever but that like you don't want to be paying for the ceiling of their production like so if you think that 33 and a half million is like basically like the value for Brown there's no necessarily no necessary financial upside to it yeah, that may be, but I think one thing, and and I normally like see eye to eye with you on player value, but I do we do not see anywhere as eye to eye on quarterback value. Like I could care less in a one quarterback league who is starting for me at quarterback. And yes, if my league mates are willing to pay for quarterbacks, great. I'll flip them for other assets all day long. But Antonio Brown is arguably the best wide receiver in the game. He has been a bit malcontent. Denny Carter drops Steelers wide receiver two on him at this point. Yes, the, the the cape is starting to get a little bit tattered for Antonio Brown, but the guy is so good that his name has retained value for so long. And we see that guys like that just don't – those unicorns continue to, like, gallop across the field of fantasy, leaving rainbows in their wake. And so I think you will easily be able to move. If you're uncomfortable with Antonio Brown's future, you can't tell me that this offseason you would be able to move that guy for perhaps a lesser 
talent but one on a better deal or something like that right so he's still an asset to you in a way that i right. don't think lamar jackson would be so yeah, yeah no yeah i understand that i think something else and I, I, one other question i got kind of behind the scenes that he said that someone said i could share is from chuck it's at chuck in sports and he was asking he said he got he was waiting for extension price to drop on michael thomas Final offer he got this week is four years, hundred forty-two and a half million. And he's asking, "I definitely take that, right?" <laughs> and like, what? Do you, I, I'm I'm going straight to you on this one. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's market value for a top wide receiver in the game. You're only looking at about thirty-five and a half per year against the cap. That cap continues to go up. Michael Thomas is tethered to a great organization, even if Drew Brees goes away. Uh, I think. The Saints are one of the organizations I believe in that to continue to put a winning product on the field. And that kid has proven that he has the work ethic to get after it. And so I, I think Michael Thomas is one of the no-brainer top five at the position at this point. Okay. Let, let me pose a different wrinkle to this question, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so do you just – in your case, do you just accept that for what it is? Or are you calculating the franchise tag on – on receivers and, and and thinking about it from that vein as well uh good question goody i tend to reserve my in an ideal world i tend to reserve as we just alluded to my my franchise tag for top talents at the tight end position or ideally at the running back position i love to go year to year on top end running back talent like they i just i love to have those guys locked up for a year it seems like it's easier to move them or keep them or and you, then you're just not in a position with such high volatility and turnover you're just not locked into the long-term deals for a running back and so yeah so i would i would much rather lock up the wide receivers long term and build using my other tools at other positions so you so like you seem to be be an advocate a majority of the time for using both like the extension and the franchise tag as two mutually exclusive assets as opposed to combining them for potential financial gain in one transaction. Yeah, yeah. You, you've you used that and spoken to that in a much more sophisticated way than I do. I, I like to diversify my assets. And so I, I perceive those as two distinct tools that I try to use as two distinct tools whenever I can. Okay. So ju just for the benefit of our listeners, because I've done math on these things like last year with DeAndre Hopkins or whatever else in the off season, when you have an extension, I've said this, I think before, but I, like, I just, if you're listening to any part of the podcast, like in depth and really paying attention, this is probably the time to like, you know, put your work down for a second and listen. I, I think that the, you can kind of back calculate what an extension will be based in the off season based on what the franchise tag is. So this person, you know, this Chuck has his four year, $142.5 million offer. If he, if he comes through and, and, you know, like basically calculates the franchise tag for his league and let's assume nobody retires or anything, you know, that's the top five contracts already on the books for 19 at the receiver position, you know, absent any, let's figure no other extensions play into that mix. And that number comes to thirty million dollars, even. Then most likely, 
that $30 million even, take $5 million off of that. And I'm talking about this generally for elite four-year players on offers because I've found this to be the case. Like, you, I, I don't know the exact algorithm, and Kyle, you know, Kyle and Matt aren't ever going to tell me. But what I have learned enough of is to apply some math to it. If you back – you back five million dollars off of like that thirty million dollar offer. That's your year one cost, most likely, of Michael Thomas and in, in the extension next year. So you're comparing twenty five to you know whatever it would be on that four one forty two. And then if you take that twenty five at divide it by twenty two percent because that would be his first year cost. Um, which I'm going to do. Yeah, to give you is yeah. Then you that you're. You're looking at a four-year extension of 114 million for Michael Thomas instead of 142 and a half million. Granted, you're losing one of your one of your control pieces, your assets there. I mean, you could decide to do the franchise tag and that's it. I mean, the hard part is to even unlock what the real extension is. You know, when you hit the button for your off-season one, like you, you have to finalize your franchise tag. So what I'm saying is that 114 million dollars. Then that's this that offer is for Michael Thomas. That's for DeAndre Hopkins if he's coming up in in the off season. It's the same price across any of those guys, whether you consider them more more or less talented. Yeah, yeah. no, it's something so to for, think about. For you know, for the elite guys. So that's just something. It's just something to think about when you're looking at these things. Yes, you'd use both of your extensions, and you couldn't use one in season on another player you're targeting. So your league life cycle really, really matters in that case. You know, figuring that stuff out, how you view things. Like obviously, running back values may be more franchisable when some of your top running backs, you know, are on rookie deals, and some of the other ones maybe people aren't paying in the auction. Tight end is a very franchisable position as you say so it's just two I, I just wanted to present like two different you know you you have your viewpoint on what you value there and i have mine and and i don't you know i don't think you want to use the franchise extend every year to like get a guy because i think it's nice to have the flexibility to have more of these unlock basically but it's it's just a, a way you can manipulate your your assets yeah, it's, I, I think that's totally fair. And I think we should probably allude to some lesser talents that are making more interesting decisions on uh, before we get out of here at the wide receiver position. So let's talk to that you highlighted that I want to put into play. Um, Tyler Boyd, uh, who's registering $62 million over the course of four years, that's nearly – that's $15.5 million average over the course of four years it, that he's asking for as an extension. And the other kind of uh, the other question that sits before a lot of owners, if not this year, probably next year, but Kenny Galladay is asking for four as well at thirty-four million. So he's only asking for eight point eight million. Those two values seem flipped to me. What do you think about that, Goody? Uh, I, I'd rather play, pay Galladay on the target share and everything else. Um, at least you know who his quarterback's going to be next year as well. I, I mean, I think Boyd's had an, had a nice season and you know, certainly deserves the extension offer from, you know, our OGMs. I, I just don't know, you know, and, and maybe he has established himself as a wide receiver too, but I don't think a wide receiver too 
in the Bengals offense is worth like a, what a wide receiver two in the Rams offense is worth. Like, I don't think you, I don't think you're paying $16 million a year to Cooper cup. I don't think you're paying $16 million a year to, to Robert Woods. I don't, you know, you're not paying, you know, th think of any other type of offense that, you know, has some dynamicism to it. Like even, you know, like you're certainly not doing it in new Orleans. You're not doing it in green Bay right now. Like you are, you are in Minnesota, but those are two like, you know, studs. So I, yeah, I, I can't get my head around paying Tyler Boyd 16 million a year. Um, I, you know, he would, he was a guy we traded, you know, on an extended, you know, someone else could extend him, And I think he's been productive for that person. And, you know, we have Cooper cop who's injured, but you know, such as life that works out sometimes. Galladay, I there's still a lot of upside. I, I think at the eight million, you know, nine million a year seems kind of kind of like a no-brainer because I think that even if he doesn't become like the second coming, I, I still think nine million dollars is is well within range for you know like a you know wide receiver twenty-four or something. Fair enough. And Last and certainly least in my mind, the, the quarterback position um, in terms of I think you should be doing something else with your life if you're extending your quarterback on your team in a single quarterback league. But I, I love talking about these guys in the context of a two-quarterback league, so I think that's a good place to, to wrap up tonight. You highlighted some great names. Like These are interesting decisions. Um, Tom Brady uh, and – um, Russell Wilson being the two most expensive names that you highlighted. Wilson, of course, with his youth, is asking for four years at seventy million, and that's looking at about eighteen million per year. And Tom Brady is asking for thirty-five and a half. Uh, that's seventeen and a half million over two years, right? So roughly the same for both of them. Uh, out of those two, which one are you are you using extension for either in a single quarterback league and? And put him into play in a in a two quarterback league too. Like this, I know you can speak to Brady on your team, and and I have Russell Wilson in the writers' league, so we we can certainly hash that out. But are are those? Um, and I, I guess you could probably double those values to some extent, and and still be and get a better perspective. Almost double them in a in a two quarterback league, and and we'll we'll be talking. But so so, what do you think? Which which of the two would you rather have at this point? Hmm. In a sing in a single quarterback league, I'm not really excited about either one of them. That is the correct answer, just for the record. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, if if Wilson's not priced at his ceiling there, like I mean, a he's he's not that young anymore in theory. I mean, by quarterback years when they're playing into their forties, he is. Um, I, I just eighteen million is pricing him at his ceiling already, especially when he's you know if he's if he's destined to have. 25 or less attempts a game with that receiving core. So I, yeah, I, I mean, and I've been a huge fan of Wilson in the past um, in terms of his game and his upside as ability to run, but he's a pocket passer at this point right now. He's efficient. He's no different than he was in, you know, 2012, like 2013, I would say. And I, I just think he's priced that he, he's priced at a ceiling there. In a, in a super flex league, I'm I'm not necessarily that excited about him either. I mean, like I'd almost be as much as this sounds blasphemous. I'd almost be happy to pay half the salary and take a take a spin on Marcus Mariota, just you know, just on youth and upside in that vein, albeit in a pretty uncreative offense. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or as Dave Sanders offers you in the Writers League, you could pay twenty five million per year to take a spin at uh, Marcus Mariota for you know <laughs> for free at this point. Yeah, um, he's just giving <laughs> he's just giving away Mariota's. It's like it's like Oprah with cars at this point. Um, but <laughs> nonetheless, let's talk the other guys and then, and then like go like rest our weary heads in this episode. But uh, another name you threw out, Teddy Bridgewater. We both love him as a speculative guy, but unfortunately, at this point in across leagues, it looks like he's asking a lot of that speculation is catching up. He's asking for seven million over the course of two years for a total of fourteen million. That to me is too high in a single quarterback league. It's and it may still be too high because it's purely speculative. We don't know where he's going to end up. He he very well could opt in backing up Drew Brees, and I don't want to pay my backup seven million um, in a two quarterback league. But here's a guy that I need your perspective on. These last two guys are a great note to end on. Big names, star power. Kirk Cousins, three years at twenty eight million for at uh, and that's a little over nine per year. And Jared Goff. Uh, four years, sixty-two million at a little over uh, at approaching sixteen million per year. Either one of those guys, single two quarterback league. Uh, what would you be comfortable paying for those guys? And that's a note that we can end for our listeners on. Yeah, single quarterback league. I'm really torn on the Cousins one because I think I think that all depends on what your free agent pool looks like in the auction. Um, I, I, I think I could go into an auction and pay a similar contract and be happy with it, you know, but if there's, if there's other guys like, you know, a guy like Philip Rivers is available, a couple others who, you know, maybe Roethlisberger, whatever, like, you know, you can go on one year deals at similar price. You know, I, I, I think that cousin, it, it all depends on like what the spread of the quarterbacks are in terms of golf, um, 15, Fifteen million isn't unreasonable, um, depending, especially on the, for quarterback with that much upside in their offense, and frankly, half the price of Aaron Rodgers, and probably you know more productive at this point. So I, you know, I if you're in the mindset of extending quarterbacks, I, you know, I, I could I could see that one, especially if you're kind of coming off of him at a rookie deal where you, you know, you had the benefit of him super cheap. Like, I mean, I think one thing that plays into these extensions that we haven't talked about is kind of the, you're more, and this is probably like me sounding like um, Dr. Renee Miller. I think that you're more emotionally attached to to players that, you know, you kind of picked out of a heap or that, you know, you weren't necessarily expecting to do well. So like the Philip Lindsay types or, you know, maybe, you know, Goff, I, I mean, was the number one overall pick. And maybe you grabbed him after that, you know, his, his, you know, Jeff Fisher rookie season. But I, in terms of Goff, I, I think if I had all my other team needs addressed, I'd pay the, I'd pay the 15. If I didn't, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, you and I haven't seen each other, like our behaviors in a one-quarterback league, but I am way apart from – even Cousins, a guy that I love, I will not pay more than a million and a half for a quarterback in a single quarterback league. It, you're right, in, in a world and in a life cycle of a league where I have all my other positions locked up with, with guys that I love on like rookie deals or, or even on those big deals, then yes, if I think that I can get another five to ten points a week out of a top-tier quarterback, but – I've been convinced uh, uh, by 
your former boss, JJ Zacharyson. I like, I, I just am a believer that you can attentively put together a quarterback chimera that does the job for you. And, and frankly, in, in single quarterback leagues, you can land guys like I did this year in my, in my home league, you can land guys like Matt Ryan for less than 2 million per year. And he's been just fine. Like for, for the duration of the year. And so that's what, that's what we're looking at there. But guys, this is a, a great week. I hope people actually are able to pull the trigger. Nothing feels quite as good as like making a trade or, or using one of these features of the RSO platform. It makes you feel like you're in control and it does give you that level of control and frankly, now it's just time to this one last moment that you can control. And then we got to buckle up for the wild ride of the playoffs. So uh, good luck to you in many cases, not in our matchup this week, Goody. Like I, I, I can't extend luck to you, but um, maybe it'll matter, but maybe it won't. And we might be going against each other in back-to-back matchups here in the near future. So we'll see how that goes in the Writers League. And and listen, man, let's keep let's keep mining gems in the uh, in the uh, podcast league together. So like, yeah, I know it'd be it'd be something to go undefeated in that, both in the regular season, and the playoffs. I, you know, I, I think hopefully like the the Chris Conleys of the world will you know, hit Pater for us at the flex position because I think that's where we're, we're a little bit susceptible. Um, I, I do have one, one more thought from a Twitter question. I think it's kind of apropos with the playoffs coming. Um, James Coker, James Coker the second, not to be confused with Robert Griffin the third, at JJ Coker, K-O-K-E-R, um, asked us, imagine you have the one seed locked up this week. There's a hot team vying for the last playoff spot that you don't want to face. If you win your matchup, he's in. If you lose, he's out. Do you lose to keep him out knowing it's better for you in the playoffs, or do you try to win regardless? And, um, I mean, Bernard chimed in on this, but I'm, I'm curious just while we have the forum and probably more people listening to the podcast than, you know, looking at the thread on Twitter, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always been – I've always been fascinated by this kind of game theory ever since like playing risk as a little kid. And there were, and I remember, um, I remember being willing in risk to, to deliberately weekend opponents that I thought were better long-term. And I, and I, and I feel a little bit more touchy about doing that in fantasy because it feels somehow as if you're, as if you're not putting the best team on the field or a team in play. But I think, if you're really approaching reality sports online as a GM and like, think about how GMs ought to think about it. You really, I mean, the stakes are quite high, like whether it be pride or money. And frankly, I think you, you try to win the game. And if the most clever chess move to win the game is to knocking out the better competitor, then like you gotta be ruthless sometimes knock him out, like, like, and, and put yourself in a position where like, where you do whatever it takes to do that. So that's the road that I would ultimately go. I think. Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I, I think in my case, like, come playoff time, I'm worried about what my team can do, not necessarily what the others can do. I mean, it's random. You're playing a, a one-week thing. You can't – you know, the, the outcome's not predetermined. You know, we're 12-0. and 0. We, we may lose in the first round of the play – you know, in the semifinals of the playoffs, but we put ourselves in a position with the first round bye to basically, you know, win one game and get in the championship. So – you know, I, I mean, I think the situations that avoid these types of things, like our wild cards on total points, which we do, and you know, I which I do in all my RSO leagues now. And Ryan Benini tweeted about it that that's what he likes. Of course, he's like fractionally above the sixth seed right now on that with a 
you know, a, a sub 500 record. But like, I think that I think that's one way to look at it and go about it. And there, there's 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 many others. But I, I think I think you're always trying trying to win your matchup in a week. And and I you know, fine. You you want the buy? You sure you'd like to play a weaker opponent? But I don't think you're you know, other people who like who are playing who may be relying on you, like you don't want to screw things up for them, I feel like. So I kind of equate it to like playing, you know, sitting at the last seat at a blackjack table and you, you kind of have to do right by the table. Yes, yeah, so that's where my understanding of probability was never significant enough to like know whether or not I was doing right by the table. So I just stopped yeah. sitting down. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but nonetheless, man, be well. Uh, where can we go looking for you as, as we heat up with these questions and such headed into the playoffs here? Yeah, you, you can find me on Twitter at MattGoody2. And um, I think you and I are going to be busy on this podcast front the next couple of weeks. We got some unique, interesting guests lined up. Um, I, I think, you know, we can talk playoffs, the podcast league, and everything else. So, I, what about you? Uh, you can find me at Fantasy Doc Oc, D O C O C. And thank you to all of our listeners. This has been a heck of a ride as we hit the, the quarter of a century mark in terms of episodes. We are really grateful, and we we have some cool surprises for you guys coming down the pipe. So this is Matthew Goodwin and Luke Patrick signing off with another All About Reality. <laughs>